Well, hey guys, thank you so much for coming back into the College Age Movement podcast. Hope that you've had an incredible week. This week, we are talking about uh, fruits of the Spirit for the last time. We've been in this series entitled Fruits uh, for the last five weeks, and this is the last week of that. Last week, we talked about patience and gentleness and how God's timeline isn't just different, but it's better. That if we are people who are willing to have patience, we will see that God's timeline is so much better than ours, that, that he has so much more for us, more than we could ever imagine. We also talked about the fact that Jesus' patience leads us into having patience with other people, that if Jesus is willing to have patience with messy, broken people like us, then the least that we could do is have patience for the people around us, the people in our lives, the ones that, that maybe we really want to have patience with and maybe even the ones that we don't. But if Jesus is willing to have patience with us, then we need to have patience with other people. This week, we're going to talk about self-control. And self-control is defined as the ability to control oneself, in particular, one's emotions and desires or the expression of them in one's behavior, especially in difficult situations. So self-control is a really interesting thing because so many of us would associate it with something different. In fact, most of us would probably associate it with the areas of our life where we don't have great self-control. When I said the word self-control, you probably thought about that area where you're like, "Mm, I'm lacking in that area. It could be something mentally, it could be something physically, but we tend to look at those areas and say, oh, wow, that's the area that I have little self-control. And so there's a negative connotation to this idea of self-control. But as we jump in here, I want to make it really clear that the purpose of this message isn't to make you feel guilty, but to encourage you, not to point out weak spots, but tell you why you can, in fact, be strong. So the first verse this week is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, and it simply says this. It says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So the first point is this. Self-control is something that is given. Self-control is something that is given. Too often we look at our own capacity and from there we then determine how much self-control we have. We look at our own gifts, we look at our own abilities, we look at our own tendencies and we're like, okay, well here's the cap. If I was to look to put a, a benchmark on this amount of self-control that I have, there it is. But it's so key that we understand that we were given a spirit of self-control, that at an internal level, inherently, we have been given a spirit of self-control from God. God knows our humanity better than we do. He has given us every single tool that we need. But it's not just about the tools, it's about the tool maker. It's not just about the tools, it's about the tool maker. A question that we have to ask ourselves in time of internal struggle, in times of lack of self-control, in times where I need to have self-control, do I take time to invite God into it? You see, whether it's something seemingly insignificant like having a fourth taco or something big like another dive into pornography or, or finding some strange on another Friday night, how often do I ask God to step in. There's that moment before we do those things that we know that we probably shouldn't do, that that we can lean into God and say, God, left to my own devices, left to my own capacity, I'm going to make a mistake in this situation. I need you to be in the middle of this. See, we have the literal designer of humanity at our disposal. Maybe, maybe we should ask him to jump into the group chat with our mind and our body. 
but a question that we have to ask ourselves on a regular basis as we are walking through all the different things that we go through as human beings is, who's the loudest voice? Is it my physical desires? Is it my mental desires? Is it the things that are controlling me in my mind or my body? Or is it Jesus? And if the answer isn't Jesus, then we need to recalibrate. We need to make sure that Jesus is the loudest voice as we are making decisions in our lives. Because like we said at the very beginning, what he has for us is better than we could ever imagine for ourselves. See, we have to understand that it isn't just about what is afforded to it, what what's afforded to us, but how we use it. Uh, about, I don't know, about eight years ago, I had the privilege of coaching little guy football and, uh, Man, it, it was really fun. I did it for four seasons, and um, I, I coached a team uh, in a different area of town. We call it the Heights here in Billings, if you're from here. And, um, man, we, we had a, a similar team almost every single year. We had really, really good uh, running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks, skill position players. But our line was always uh, kind of a dumpster fire. And as somebody who played defensive line um, up into high school, I really, really wanted us to to show uh, some aggression uh, at the at the point of attack, and so what I found was that that I would get all these guys who who were really timid to to hit, and so like every year it was the same thing, like use what you got, use what you got. You guys are big, hit, be scary. And then the fourth year, uh, we had a kid, and uh, he was in the eighth grade, and he was six four, two hundred and eighty pounds. I'm a big guy. Uh, he was significantly bigger than me, and he was 13 years old. And uh, I could not believe it how scared he was to hit people. He just he was so timid. And I was like, man, you've been gifted this size. Go wreck some people. Go put people on their backs. Like People are going to be scared of you. And he just never would do it until one time somehow we made the playoffs that last year. We weren't very good, but we, we slipped into the playoffs, and he came to the sideline, and somebody said something to him on the field, and he goes, Coach, I'm mad. And I was like, good, good. I was like, Kenny, you get out there, and you truck some people. And he, the next play, he picked a kid up and slammed him into the ground, and he came back over to the sideline after that series, and I said, Kenny, man, that's – that's what it is right there. Like you were given the gift of size. You were given the gift of power. Now go use it. And for the rest of the game, he he showed kids what it meant to be an offensive lineman. And it was absolutely amazing. And I, I, I see that and I see similarities in our spiritual walk. So often I think God is looking at us and saying, hey, I gave you this. I gave you not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. I didn't give you a spirit of timidity, but I gave you a spirit of self-discipline. But you have to use it. We actually have to take action with that which is given. The knowledge of knowing that God has given a spirit of self-control does nothing for us. We actually have to operate in that spirit. What we have all experienced in our own personal lives and witnessed in the lives of other people is that lack of self-control leads to a lot of bad things. How many times have we heard he had absolutely no self-control and what resulted was really, really good? It was really good for him, and it was really good for the people involved in his life. No, we don't hear that. We don't, Lack of self-control doesn't lead to good things. In Proverbs 25, 28, it says, Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Like a city whose walls are broken through, it is a person who lacks self-control. Is There's an, another version that would say, uh, A person with a lack of self-control is like a city who was looted and then left with holes in its walls. Not just a city broken into, but a city that is looted and then left without walls. The second point this week is we have to identify our gaps. Uh, 
We have to identify our gaps. When we become people with no self-control, we leave ourselves incredibly susceptible, not just to the obvious risks, but the ones that we do not see. Not just the ones that we see, but the ones that we do not see. There's a board game by the name of Risk, and uh, if you're familiar, it's one of the greatest board games ever. I absolutely love it. And one of the things that that I always do to people is uh, I just have incredible patience, and I just sit back and I don't do very much, I don't do very much until they leave something susceptible, until they leave uh, an area a little bit uh, on the the less defensive side, and then I come through, uh, through a back door and just wreck their entire country. And it's my favorite, and I do it to my wife all the time, and she gets so, so mad at me. She She's figured out my strategy now, so now we both have patience, and games take five hours. But what, what I found is that that it's a really good example of what happens in our own lives, is that we we see where we want to be aggressive, but then we leave other areas susceptible. And Scripture says that the, the enemy, Satan, is prowling like a, a roaring, like a prowling like a roaring lion, and he's just waiting for his time to pounce. He's just waiting for his time to attack. And so what we have to understand is that as we move through our lives, as we are being successful, as we are doing the things that we really, really want to do, and we feel like God's calling us to do, we need to look for the gaps. We need to look for the areas that we could possibly get in trouble. What we will find is that if we have lack of self-control in one area of our lives, it will often lead to lack of self-control in other areas. We have to be willing to take an honest look at our lives and figure out where we need to fortify, where we need to get stronger, where do we need to batten down the hatches and say, hey, I know that this area of my life is a little bit susceptible that I have a little bit of lack of self-control here. And, and if I don't figure that out, then it's going to have a compound effect. So we, when, we, when we're able to do that, we will understand that, that that effect is on every area of our lives. That um, if, if we look at our lives and, and, and we see these big gaps, that it's probably not the, the only one. And we have to be really, really honest. And one of the things that we talked about last night uh, at our actual meeting at College Age was, was that it's not just about identifying our own gaps, but also being willing to identify the gaps in other people's lives, not in judgment, but that's what being in community is all about, that, that sometimes it's really hard to see the holes in our own walls. Sometimes it's really hard to see where we're coming up short and where our lack of self-control is leading us down paths that we probably don't want to go down. And so we need brothers and sisters in Christ to, to say, hey, hey, this isn't coming from a place of judgment or, or condemnation, but it's me loving you and just saying, like, I'm noticing this tendency in your life, and I think you need to get that under control because if you don't, you're going to cause yourself a lot of pain and you're going to cause other people pain too. So we have to be willing to step in and identify the gaps in other people's lives as well. But what's, what's really good about this idea of compound effect is that, that just like uh, a lack of self-control leads to lack of self-control in other areas, strength will lead to strength in other areas. So that if we can, we can start to have positive tendencies and we can start to say, hey, no, I'm going to fortify here, we will start to see really positive things happen in other areas of our lives. So strength begets, begets strength. So we need to be people who are constantly trying to fortify. So with those things being said... Where are some areas that we need to be challenged when it comes to self-control? I think that there are three that I want to talk about this week, but there are so many that, that we could have conversations about. Uh, the first one is this, is that we need to have control over our minds. 
We need to have control over our minds. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what's, what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, our mind is a crazy place. It's something that is always on, always moving, always creating beautiful things while simultaneously creating sinful things too, like greed and lust and coveting what your neighbor has, all those different things. The mind is constantly is this battlefield, and we need to find a way to control it. And Paul gives us two ways in this short verse to control our mind. The first thing is this, do not conform. See, conformity is something that every one of us has dealt with at some point in our lives. We would probably often associate it with, with our style or how we act or, or what we do. But Paul is talking about avoiding conformity in the way that, that we think. You see, what we have to understand is that even in our thinking, we are set apart. If I consider myself a follower of Jesus, I have to recognize that my mind is not set on comfortable conformity. It's set on transforming eternities in everything that I do and everything that I think about. It's how do I introduce people to Jesus? How do I let them know how, how loved they are, how, how valued they are? Not, not necessarily just by me, but by God and go from there. Like, my mind is set on something different. I'm not thinking about what other people are thinking about. I'm not letting my mind go there. That lust, that greed, that that uh, conformity is not going to be something that I'm defined by. In fact, I'm going to be defined by something completely different. I'm going to be set apart. I'm going to avoid conformity. And then the second part, he says, the renewing of your mind. Do not conform to the patterns of the world by the renewing of your mind. So to renew means to resume after an interruption. And I love that, to resume after an interruption. We all experience interruptions, right? Every one of us is going down a road and we're doing really well and then something happens. It can be an interruption in your day. It could be an interruption in your life. Something big could happen that interrupts you pursuing Jesus in the way that you are supposed to. But what it means to have your mind renewed is to resume on the backside of that interruption, that we have to be willing, who are willing, people who are willing to get back on course. That we need to be willing to to resume, to to refresh, to to make sure that that we are people who say no, no matter what the interruption is, I'm going to find myself back on the road that God wants me to be, and that's so vital in the way that we think. And there are simple ways, and, and I, this applies to every areas of area of our lives as followers of Jesus, is that if we need to be in Scripture. It will help us renew our mind. It will help us think clearly. We need to pray to our Creator. We need to spend significant time having conversations with God. We need to be in community. We need to be around people who are in the same pursuit that we are, that their end goal is to find Jesus and help other people find Jesus. And it's so important that we find ourselves in those communities. I don't know how many times in my life I needed to be around people and, and have them refresh me and have them fill me up and have them give me a new perspective. So read your Bible, pray, get around community, and then repeat. It's so important that we do that. We have to constantly be renewing our mind because the enemy is constantly attacking it. Secondly, control your tongue. We all know someone who doesn't have a filter, and maybe that's you, uh, maybe that's me. We won't talk about that too much, but what we find is that when we don't have a filter, we usually get ourselves in trouble. Sometimes it's really endearing, like, oh, that's so cute. They, they just say what's on their mind. But most of the time, it just gets us in lots of trouble because we don't actually think about what we're trying to say. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. 
We must be able to stop our mouths from speaking everything that our mind comes up with. We have to be willing to pause and consider that which we are about to put into the world. It's so important. The question, who benefits from this, is an incredible question to ask. If the answer is nobody's going to benefit from this or I'm going to be the only one who benefits from this, then we should probably kill it immediately. We need to stop and pause and consider what it is that we're about to say. Because if it's not beneficial to the person who's listening, if it's not beneficial to the person that's being talked about, then it's not worth talking about at all. There's this phrase, uh, loose lips sink ships. Loose lips sink ships. It's kind of a tongue twister, but it's some a, a, a phrase that many of us have heard in our lives. And the, the origin of it was actually in the 1940s during World War II. What happened was that, that while the war was going on, the U.S. government was re- was really, really convinced that there were spies on U.S. soil. And they were worried that, that as people were talking about the war, as people were talking about what was happening on the other side of the world, the information that they divulged on this side of the world would actually be a detriment to the people on the other side. That something that was said here was actually going to lead to the death of a soldier in the field. And so what they were trying to communicate is your words carry incredible importance and somebody might suffer because of your words. It might be a detriment to them. And that's so applicable in our spiritual lives that so often our words can be a detriment to the other people in our lives. It's not just about our own uh, well-being. It's not just about our own image, but it's about the actual health of the other people in our lives. So we need to be really careful with the words that we're speaking because we would never want somebody else to be harmed because of words that we spoke. If we are not careful about the words that we speak, we put so many of our influences at risk. We put so many of our relationships at risk. We have to make sure that we are being diligent with those words. Proverbs fifteen twenty eight says, the heart of the righteous weighs its, answer, its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. We just have to weigh our answers. We have to be people who weigh our answers. Take the time to make sure that what you are saying is actually what you want to say. And that's really hard. Most of us speak without thinking. We need to make sure that we think really clearly. The third area is this, control our bodies, control over our bodies. Who wants to talk about sex? Yeah, nobody wants to talk about sex, not even me. But it's so important that we talk about the physical desires of our lives because that is where self-control plays such a big part. And so often the church has done a really bad job at talking about sex. It's this dirty thing and we push it off. We don't talk about sex very much. And in turn, we don't talk about how how painful it can be if it's not used in the right context. See, and, and I think it's important that we understand this. Like our bodies are not just sex. This last weekend we talked about a faith chapel pastor and he talked about our sexuality not being a defining factor. It's not who we are. It's a part. It's a part of our identity, but it is not our identity. It's, it's a factor. And so what we have to understand is that sex isn't the only thing when it comes to our bodies. We're talking about anything that would affect our physical bodies, drugs, alcohol, anything that we're, we're trying to, to attain that high. And that comes in, in the form of sexual relationships, comes in the form of pornography, it comes in the form of alcohol, it comes in the form of drugs. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, no temptation has ever overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So many people take this verse and focus on the uh, will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear, and then they lose sight on the will provide a way out part. Uh, 
so many times I've, I've had conversations with people and they're like, I don't know why I did it. Like God said, I wouldn't be tempted beyond what I can bear, but he, I was. So this is kind of God's fault because I was tempted beyond my own natural capacity. It's like, mm, I, I don't think that you get it. Um, what he's saying when he finishes the verse is, hey, when you are tempted, because you are going to be tempted, I will provide a way out, but you have to look at it. In high school and up into college, I had a severe addiction to pornography. Um, it was something that, that a lot of my friends dealt with. It was something that a lot of people, but I didn't know. And I, I was super ashamed. I was a church kid. I was so, so, uh, I carried so much guilt around with me. And uh, I, I kept trying to will my way out of my addiction. I remember my freshman year of college sitting in my apartment. I was sitting on my couch and just felt like that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go to my computer and I just sat on my couch with fists clenched and was just like, no, no, I got this. I got this. I got this. And then I got a phone call from my friend as I was sitting there and he's like, hey man, I just felt like God was asking me to call you and check in on you. How are you doing? And I was like, oh yeah, best night ever. Like <laughs> I'm doing great. This Nothing could be better than what I'm doing right now. And, uh, He's like, hey, do you want to grab dinner? And I was like, yes, absolutely. And I got out of my house and I went and had dinner with him. And at dinner, I said, hey, man, uh, I have to tell you this. I've been struggling with pornography for over two and a half years. And he was like, really? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, man, I've been struggling with, with pornography for, for about the same amount of time. And and that's when our accountability group started. We found two other guys that, that were struggling with something similar and we became accountable to each other. But what I recognized in that time was that for a long time, God had been providing this relationship and providing opportunities for us to tell each other that. And it was is a way out. It was a way to endure that, that it wasn't supposed to be done alone, that I was supposed to be with this group of guys talking about what we were struggling with and being honest and being encouraging and all those things. And so what we have to understand is we are dealing with whatever addiction it is, whatever lack of self-control issue it is, we have to be people who are willing to look for the avenues that God is giving us. He is, I promise you, that there are so many ways that God is trying to provide a way out of that addiction. So many ways that God is trying to provide a way out of that situation, out of that unhealthy relationship, out of that habit. You just have to look for it. I just have to look for it. We have to be people who are constantly looking for ways to get out. And what I found and when I finally got a handle on my addiction was looking for all these different ways and understanding that sometimes it was my accountability group. Sometimes it was physically removing myself from situations. Sometimes it was a mentor. Sometimes it was something else. But there were so many different avenues that God was saying, hey, I am giving you a way to endure this. When you are to being tempted, I will provide time and time again. And he has proven that to me over the years, that if I would be just willing to look for it, he will provide a way for me to get out of it. No matter what area of our life that we see lack of self-control, none of it is new to God. He knows what he's doing. We have to be willing to offer it over to him. Because what we will find is that it's not about our willpower. It's not about our strength. It's about his strength. And if we can focus on his strength, we will be so much more successful. These three areas go hand in hand. Uh, Craig Rochelle, an incredible pastor, says this, if you don't control what you think, you'll never control what you do. If you don't control what you think, you'll never control what you do. And I'd say the other way applies too, because if you don't control what you do, you'll have a really hard time controlling what you think. See, if we went around and we all talked about where we need self-control, and I'm not going to ask you to write in and tell me every area that you lack in self-control, we would see how different our struggles are, but we would also see a common thread, our desperate need for Jesus. And it's important that we understand we're never alone in the midst of our struggles. That area of that you're lacking self-control, you're not the only one. And it's important to be vulnerable. It's important to, to have conversations with people. And it's important that we bring God right in the middle of it as well. So as we wrap up this week, this is what I hope we understand, is that our self-control will never compare to just giving him control. 
Our self-control will never compare to giving him control. Whether it is our mind, our tongue, our bodies, or something else, we must understand that if our lives are truly surrendered to Jesus, we have every tool we need to be the people we are called to be. So this week, I want to challenge you. Find a way to give God control. That area that he has 75% of the control, give him 100% of the control and watch him work. Watch what God does when you actually give him control of your lives. Hey, we love you guys so much. We're going to be gone for a week. We have a big event here at the church. If you want to come, if you're in Billings, it's movement experience. It's for all junior high through college age people. We're expecting 700 to 800 people to come to this event in our main worship center here at the church. If you're not going to be around, that's totally fine. Uh, we will be back with the College Age Movement podcast on March 24th. March 24th. Hey, we love you guys so much, and we will talk to you very soon.